You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Well, good morning again. Okay, okay, a little warm up, not nap time, right? Good morning. Great to see you. Hey, just want to remind you that what we talk through today, and uh, this is always Sunday, but I think it's more, it's, this is always every Sunday, but I think it's really important uh, today. The content, the discussion point, the questions that we are going to talk through today are on the Bible app um, that you can always access through the week, okay? Um, and that's version, the app. Um, you can click on that. You can find more. You can find events. When you do that, Lima Community Church will come up. You click on that, and the sermon content is there. The questions, my hope is, is that the things that we discuss today and the questions we ask will cause you to go home and we'll discuss these things with your spouse. Um, and you'll kind of continue the conversation personally, and you'll have content to say, hey, I, I remember they were talking about that. How was that said? Or what order did that go? Well, it's all right there. So I've always thought that oftentimes preachers um, really focus on presenting content and making sure that we rightly divide the word of truth. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. It's the foolishness of preaching that men are called to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's obviously a part of what we're trying to do. But many times I've walked away from a Sunday and thought, I presented the content, but I really didn't lean into enough. Okay, so what am I going to do about it? How does this apply to my life and what am I going to do about it? And so walking through Romans 12 and this, this chapter that is a Magna Carta for relationships, this like, hey, God's done all this for you, Romans 1 through 11. And the first place he goes and what are you going to do about it? What does it look like? How is it lived out is in relationships. And we've walked through that for five weeks. And so now I want to go back and I want to answer the question, what does that look like? What am I going to do about it? What does, and let me read for you today from the, from the text, as we have realized that out of this chapter, there's, there's at least eight words that we're choosing to think about that are essential for healthy, life-giving relationships. It's the truth of like what Romans 12.3 says, that do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. There's this idea that relationships thrive when there is humility practiced, right? There's the, what he says that, listen, we are, we are, we're just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others and we have different gifts and things that we do. And we find that in relationships, knowing your role, what you're good at, what, how you've been wired and living into that and not trying to do every other role is crucial for healthy relationships, right? Paul is saying, if you want want to have good relationships, live with humility, know your role. Listen to these words. Love must be sincere. 
that in relationships, authenticity is essential. That there is no depth of relationship if there is not sincerity, if there is not authenticity. Uh, One of our panelists did such a good job uh, first service of saying, listen, if you want to go deep and if you want to have quality, then authenticity must be happening. And as it's practice and as it's experience, it only opens ourselves up for more, right? Um, it, the words here, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Devotion is crucial to building trust. Trust is built on relationships are built on trust. Devotion's a word. Listen to these words. Um, uh, Share with the Lord's people in need. Practice hospitality. Honor one another above yourselves. Learning how to be selfless (laughs) is essential to quality relationships. It's the kingdom, the first, last, the last, first mantra. That's a word that we thought about. We've listened to the words of bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Learning empathy is how relationships thrive. We've read words like live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not repay evil for evil. If it is possible, as as far as depends on you, live at peace with each other. Do not take revenge. That learning peaceable, a peaceable mindset is crucial. To flush the idea of getting even. Getting even has never helped any relationship. To break the cycle of dysfunctional relationships causes one, one party at least to say, you know what, you deserve but I'm gonna choose to not. I'm gonna treat you better. We've talked about that. The last thing we've talked about is having resolve. The last verse, do not be overcome. Overcome's a strong word. It's It's a action word. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome, resolve to overcome evil with good. And in our relationships, it takes a tremendous amount of resolve to say, you know what? I'm gonna persevere and what's best for my relationships. I'm not gonna let all of the things, the evil things of malice, bitterness, resentment, all those things to continue to creep in, but I'm gonna be resolved to understand that I can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, replace evil with good. And so, today, I've asked seven other people to join me and walking through what does this look like in marriage. Because marriage is the springboard for all other relationships. I really believe that. Like it is the tightest relationship that we have, this companionship, this two becoming one, this idea of, of, of that God has given, this gift that he's given to the world. And you know the old phrase says, practice makes perfect? I always hate that because... If you're like me and you're perfectionist, like I hate the word perfect because it's it just, oh, I gotta be perfect. Practice makes better. How about that? And if you and I can learn in this laboratory of marriage, so to speak, that sounds very unromantic, doesn't it? <laughs> but it is the place where we get to practice relational things most. Humility should be practiced most with our spouse. Empathy, selfless, 
devotion. These are practiced most in our marriage. And if we learn how to practice them well here, then it becomes second nature with our kids, with our family, right? You get what I'm saying? And so we're gonna, we're gonna let you hear from some of us. This was, this was so good for service. And so I'm gonna shut up and I'm gonna let them come up and let's just walk through uh, these words in marriage. I realize I'm talking to some people who are not yet married, uh, that aren't married, they've chosen not to, or not been married, or are, have come through a divorce, or have lost a spouse. I realize that today. Some of you are like, oh, I can check out. Where's the nearest exit? Can I sneak out of here? And, and I would remind you, though, that this is such a valuable part of our society. And you have marriages that you can speak into, that you can influence. Um, even my prayer group, Sylvia, as they were praying over me before this morning, she's lost her spouse of many years. And she says, you know what? I can still hear this. She said, I'm still apologizing to my husband and he's dead. <laughs> you know, like, I'm sorry for what I did. You know, like, so um, this is for everybody, but panelists, would you come up? And I've invited four couples. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and then we're going to jump right in, because man, what they have to say is really, really good today. Can you give them a hand for putting themselves out there? Okay, Jimmy, you were first. Is this on? All right, there we go. Uh, Jim and Casey Bright, we have uh, five. We have three kids. Um, uh, we have three kids. Uh, been married 12 years. Uh, we came to Lima in 2014, and we've been coming to Lima Community since 2017. Hi, we're Brian and Linda Baylog, and we've been married 49 years. Amen. Yeah. That's a big number to the same woman, isn't it? That's pretty good. But yeah, we have uh, four children, uh, married and off the payroll. So that's a beautiful thing. And uh, eight grandchildren. And so we're living in that empty next stage. And it's a beautiful, shining light. <laughs> hey, we are John and Brooke Zerby. Um, we've been married almost 20 years this December. And we have two teenagers. So prayers are appreciated. <laughs> We are Chip and Nicole Bullock. Uh, we've been married 20 years last Wednesday. Yeah. Um, we have four kids, <laughs> two teenagers, one middle schooler, and a little one. Guess we beat you to the, no. That's cool, I didn't know you guys were December. That's really cool. So let's jump in, let's talk about that, that first word that we see in Romans 12 that the Lord invites us to practice in relationships, humility. I love what C.S. Lewis says about humility, it's really helped me. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. That's important. But it's thinking of yourself less. What a place to have that happen in marriage. And so my question to you guys is how has valuing your spouse more than yourself changed the dynamics of your marriage? Has it been a struggle? How does this work out? What, what does humility look like for you guys? I know for us, you know, when you're, when you're dating and when you're single, you just naturally, you have this, um, 
you just you're by, you're by yourself and then when you, you date and then you come together and you're married and you become one um, you still kind of think that way and and you kind of forget that you're now a part of a team uh, and naturally I think we're all selfish no one's had to tell me John you need to think of yourself more <laughs> it just it just happens um, but I think you quickly realize in marriage that um, that that strategy is a strategy for disaster. Uh, and I know in my own life, through mainly making mistakes and things like that, um, and learning from them, is that um, when my heart is in tune with what she wants, with um, what she needs, when uh, what is on her heart, what uh, she desires, and uh, what's in her prayer life, I'm at my very best. Uh, I can do a lot of things. I can. Um, I can serve her better. I can be a better husband. I can be a better dad. I can be better at my job when my mind is off of myself. And I know that I have less stress, uh, less anxiety, even bouts of depression. Whenever those things, those things rise up in my life, I realize I'm looking at myself a lot. And when I can get my focus off of me and onto her or family or other things, then I just become a better version of myself. So one practice that I do, it's not like a, I don't recommend you do it, but I just get up every day and look at myself and just say, get over yourself. <laughs> well, I know for Linda and I, we, uh, we go with this uh, love and respect theme, you know, basically, and that is that you husbands need to love, cherish, and pursue your wives throughout your marriage and okay well then so the wife or the woman should be lovingly loving your husband and being humility with humility respecting your husband sometimes you don't want to you know but you need to respect your guy because if you don't that, that love and respect is a beautiful cycle but if you're not doing it you're going to live the other way, and it's very painful. That's good. Um, I would say that humility probably stems from having um, few expectations or at least keeping them in check. Um, I think the times that we've dealt with any bitterness in our life has come from a sense of entitlement, which, which seems to me to be the opposite of humility. And so if we're just constantly keeping in check, like whatever I'm expecting him to bring to the table, am I expecting myself to bring to the table too um, and serving him and, and, you know, doing that in a way that would help us function more efficiently, I guess. Yep. When I think about fostering humility in our marriage, I think about you know, from a little bit from a selfish point of view is because I want, I want, you know, to her to put me above herself. And it's like, I can't ever do that in a relationship, in our relationship, if I don't do it first, you know, um, not that I do it in a sense that I'm, I'm wanting, expecting that in return. But I think efficiency wise, I want, if I want to have that, you know, a better chance of that kind of a relationship, you know, in our marriage, then I have to, you know, I have to lead with that. And I have to like, I have to take that approach and, um, you know, with the, with the hope that eventually that, that'll come back and forth. And, um, that's been a huge foundation in our, in our marriage. Yeah. Key words, ex, expectation, um, entitlement Boy, those really can foster the opposite of humility. Get over yourself, right? <laughs> there you, go. um, expect from yourself a life of service. Um, not what can I get from, 
from the other person. All right, we're gonna talk about authenticity. So um, no one knows you better than your spouse, right? I mean, they see the worst in you, they see the best in you, but it can still be the hardest thing to open up and be vulnerable, even though you know that they know everything about you, but why is it so hard? So um, talk about the value of being authentic with each other and the power that comes from being real and still loved. Um, I shared in the first service that, you know, we're hitting the 20-year mark, so I think in our, our early years, we tried really hard to maybe not, um, maybe not pick fights or not um, share as much the things that really do bother you, and they tend to, to build and to add up, and, and I'm really good at, when he asks me what's wrong, to say nothing. Nothing is wrong. And there's clearly something wrong you can tell by my face. <laughs> so I feel like we're kind of moving into this next stage where we're starting to um, share things more. But we're, we've always been very careful to share things carefully. Like I will say we've always tried to be really careful with our words. Um, so we are sharing the things that kind of are bothering us or drive us crazy. But we're doing it in the most loving way we can. And even this morning he said, this isn't a criticism, but, and then shared, I don't remember what it was to be honest, but whatever it was. Um, so I think that's really important. And then I think like last year, sometime we were out to eat on a date and I don't know how it even was brought up, but I said, well, what are your pet peeves about me? And we just went, I mean, we just went for it. And it was funny. I mean, we were laughing and we weren't mad, you know, but there are things that just, you know, after 20 years, it drives you nuts, you know? And, and if you don't share them, they either don't know or, you know, it, you, you let it build. And so we really just had a really fun, open conversation. And from there, we've... <laughs> We add to the list sometimes, you know, when <laughs> things arise, but um, it's just been good. It's been good to know like what gets him and what, you know, what he needs me to do better and, and vice versa, so. Uh, that is one of the issues that Lynn and I have really struggled with. So, um, you know, I, I guess he picked people to come up here that aren't perfect and we're in that category, <laughs> at least I am. So yeah, auth that authentic thing, you know, f you know, when you have feelings and baggage and just different things, it's tough. And, and frankly, Lynn and I are still working on that after 49 years. It's been helpful for us to remember that um, not everyone has a natural ability to be authentic and that it is a skill that can be practiced and built upon. Um, and so he's naturally more authentic and in touch with feelings and I'm naturally more guarded. And so for him to recognize that and not be frustrated with it, but um, throughout the years, learn ways to ask questions in softer ways um, and kind of draw out some of those things has been helpful. Um, and I think it was really helpful for us to remember too, like just because we're trying to be authentic with each other doesn't give us a license to be harsh towards one another. And so just um, remembering that, you know, to kind of like take, take our thoughts to the Lord first and like kind of filter that way so that we would be um, loving in our delivery. I think, I think like being authentic with each other is so important too, because I think uh, when you're authentic, you really get to know someone, right? You can't really get to know someone if you're not being authentic. And I think when you get to know someone, then you can kind of adjust or mold yourself around that person's lifestyle. And you can be 
in addition to that person's lifestyle. You can help that person's lifestyle. And I think that continuous authenticity like allows you to be in tune with that person because in our marriage, we both have changed tremendously in 12 years. And, and, and when you kind of do regular check-ins and you're authentic with each other, you can be in tune with that, you know, and you can adjust to each other when you know one of the, one of the other persons is um, going through something or they're changing a little bit, just their view on stuff, and you can adapt yourself to them better. Rather than being offended. Right, right. Yeah, I, the, one of the most powerful things for me is the pet peeves and the quirks that I know I have. Um, I'll claim my own. Um, to, to know that she loves me regardless. It is such a powerful thing to be in a relationship where um, there's love and to be known and to still be loved only has continued to open me up in, in ways that um, it's powerful. And the, the level of companionship that begins to just deepen, um, it's incredible. God who knows us best loves us most. And when we practice that with one another, um, there's something that, that begins to change our lives and mold us in such a good way. Mm-hmm. Kind of rolling into that next word that Romans 12 talks about is devotion, be devoted to one another. It's obvious that devotion is, it comes from trust, right? We know that trust is the foundation for all relationships. It's hard to have a relationship with someone you don't trust. I don't know that we need to talk about that much this morning. I think we know that. But my question to the panel was this. What practices have you done to build trust and loyalty with one another that communicates that, that gives you a sense of security that, hey, we're good I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. Just talk about some, just talk about that. What does that look like? I know for us, it's, it's, our marriage is a lot like um, your faith. I mean, when you put your faith in Jesus, it doesn't inoculate you from the pain of life. When you get married, you just don't, you know, it's not a fairy tale. You don't write off into marital bliss. I mean, problems do come your way. And um, I know for us, We've faced lots of challenges, and uh, through those challenges, it's cliche, but it either makes you or breaks you, and, and it's true. Um, through our challenges, we've always seemed to come out of it stronger together um, than what we were before. I know early in our marriage, um, we struggled having a family. Uh, we desperately wanted to have a family, and it just wasn't happening. And so, you know, we had each other, really, and a support from family and friends, but it was just us two, you know, it was us together. And, and we worked through that. And on the other side of that, when you see the Lord bless you, you, you just see the amazing, um, uh, I don't know, the trust that, that we have together, knowing that we're there for each other. I mean, it just, no matter what, we're gonna be there for each other, um, even professionally, because you, you experience things professionally that maybe is outside your marriage, um, but you go through it together. I know I've had situations in my own life professionally where I wasn't sure if I was gonna have a job. You know, I through harsh criticism and failure professionally that, you know, um, I, I needed her to be there for me, and she was. And that built the trust that we have in our, in our relationship. The same with her. I mean, 
she's experienced things professionally that were unkind and we felt that were, were you know, um, a really difficult time. And, and I was able to be there for her, not to fix her problem, but just to let her know that I'm there and that I love her regardless and that we would get through it together. That's good. Um, I think we've pretty much always trusted each other from the beginning. And um, uh, he travels a lot, so he's out of town and I'm home by myself and we trust each other on that. Um, we call each other morning, noon, dinner, lunch, breakfast. <laughs> Nighttime, yeah, check in, yeah. And um, it's just been a very trusting relationship we've had together. Yeah, and um, you don't know this, that um, the feelings of love, um, passion, intimacy, they ebb and flow in all the circumstances and stages that you're in in life, okay? But that commitment section over there has to be a nine or a 10. So on a little date thing, we might take a napkin and we say, hey, how, how's our love life? And you write down a column, commitment, intimacy, passion, and you put a, a number there, 10 being high, you know, and then you pass the napkin over, and that creates that discussion. My intimacy is a, a two. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so we know that uh, we got a problem. <laughs> Commitment's high. Commitment's oh, oh, yeah, 10. Oh, yeah, all the way. <laughs> that devotion has been um, looking like surrounding ourselves with people who have a similar mindset of marriage, people who are rooting for our marriage, who support it. Um, things like, you know, we're not running to friend groups and, and bad-mouthing the other after a fight or something like that. We can trust each other um, kind of with our reputation and with our, our thoughts and feelings um, on a deeper level. And then, you know, just you know, reading books, listening to podcasts, having just like deep discussion is always helpful. But I think too, knowing that if I do vent a frustration or he does, like the people we're surrounding ourselves with are never the ones to speak a wedge in between us. They're the ones to lead us back to the Lord or back to each other. Mm -hmm. um, and so who you're around and who your community is, is um, vital. Fortunately, she's never had been frustrated with me, you know, so that's. <laughs> no, I think, uh, but you know, for us practices, definitely checking in with each other, right? Because that's like how you keep that trust relationship strong. But I think we've had life circumstances um, that have really exposed that our trust as far as it being strong. Um, in 17, I felt led to stay home with our kids and Casey be the breadwinner. And so there's a lot of trust that went involved with that, with each other, you know, because um, your spouse, you know, feels led to do something, you know, you're always like, okay, here we go, you know, and, and just to go on one, um, one, one income. And then in 21, she kind of felt led to be home and I, I got a job opportunity. And so we kind of switched roles. And so those two things popped in my brain first when I think of practices that we've had um, that, you know, were maybe involuntary necessarily, but, you know, um, but I think really helped us build some trust together. So before Nicole takes us into selfless, it's just a reminder to all of us, like there have been tough times with you guys, right? And a lot of times we, we look at tough times as something to avoid um, and we just try to survive them. But honestly, crisis and tough times uh, are great opportunities. And actually, God does some of his best work in us. Uh, and coming out of going through things together, the depth of our marriages can only get better. And that's what's so awesome about the Lord.
So John, like you said, nobody has to teach us to be selfish, right? Um, we naturally are just dispositioned to be selfish people. And oftentimes we go into marriage and we learn really quickly that is not going to work or help our marriage in any way. So let's talk about some things that you have sacrificed to make your spouse better or improve their life. Okay. <laughs> um, we've always tried to outserve each other. And whether it's um, him getting the dishes done while I'm going to work or um, him doing laundry, which I'm not comfortable with, but he has done that. <laughs> the best I can do. <laughs> um, it's just been wonderful, you know. I have nothing to add to that. It's been great. <laughs> that, that is really the key. If we're going to fight over anything, we're going to fight over helping somebody out. Mm. So I don't do a good job of laundry or dishes, but she lets me do them. <laughs> nice. Um, I know for us in our marriage, um, we've, one of the areas that we've had to be selfless is our time. And through different stages of our careers, um, you know, I, I may have to kind of take over the everything at home and, you know, with the kids and, and, and give him that freedom to go do whatever God's leading him to do and, and what God has gifted him to do. Um, you know, when he was a head football coach, I knew that meant, you know, I was going to take care of the rest. And, and I did, and I did that most of the time happily. Um, and then when he went to be athletic director, that stepped up. And again, like, he, I knew he wanted to do that. He was gifted in that. So for the, I tried really hard to be selfless in that area. Um, but then uh, about eight years ago, I switched roles in my job and I found myself back in college. Um, and so he stepped up automatically and was like, I got this. And he tried to cook and did that kind of stuff too. Um, it was sweet, um, but, but, um, but I appreciated that, yeah. Because he, like, he was like, I got you, you focus and I got the rest. And, and I think just time, just giving up that time is the way to be selfless. Um, yeah, just simple stuff that you think you sacrifice. We're in that a stage with young kids where um, we're, we're trying to, you know, push our so, so, social gatherings back, you know, past bedtime and, um, you know, sacrificing the, that fringe things that, you know, you, you normally would do. But, like, in this season when you have young kids, it's like all hands on deck, you know, with uh, trying to make sure everybody stays clothed and, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I think we've sacrificed a lot of the, a lot of the social gatherings that we usually do. You know, we try to arrange them in times that we, you know, we can um, be still be there at bedtime and, you know, help put kids to bed. You good? Well, I'm gonna switch it up here and um, go to something we didn't we didn't get to first service because. We want to respect time, but um, living at peace with one another, uh, being peaceable. Um, we, we laugh instinctually because we know that like two becoming one, um, there's conflict, right? Like it's not easy. It's, um, so I just wrote this, just keeping the peace a lot of times seems to be just avoiding and yet we've learned that just avoiding doesn't bring peace, right? Um, you know, I'm just keeping the peace and everybody in the room knows that's not what's happening because you can cut the tension with a knife. Pe peace is 
resolution, um, reconciliation. And just talk about conflict resolution um, that's caused you to come to live at peace with each other. Um, and maybe have you learned there are just some things that aren't worth disturbing the peace over. You just let it go. Um, just kind of want to talk about that. Conflict resolution, peace. How have you guys managed that? Um, <laughs> I would say I spent a good portion of the first 10 years of our life not fighting fair. Uh, I stonewall, you know, often. And um, so we've worked a lot through that. He's been very patient with all those things. Um, but I think the thing I'm working on now is trying to decipher um, when is it peacemaking or peacekeeping and when is it appropriate to peacekeep and I do think there are times that we don't we shouldn't disturb the harmony um and so what the question I've started asking myself is he not meeting my standard or is he not meeting God's standard because one of mm. those needs addressed and one of those maybe I can look within and see what might be easy for me to adjust in a way um you know if it's if it's my standard uh, and so that's just a question I think that can be helpful that's good I think gentleness comes to my mind when I think of conflict resolution. You know, I think if I approach the, the conflict with a little bit of a gentleness, you know, versus coming in, you know, with my hair on fire, you know, and like, ah, you know, it, it's just completely different how it turns out. And I, so I think approaching it with gentleness, and then I think, I do think sometimes um, in order to figure out what's going to, what you shouldn't uh, break the harmony, um, you got to cross over the line a couple of times, you know, and you realize, okay, where boundaries are. And then as you learn each other's boundaries, you learn when, you know, when's the right time to maybe push When's the right time just to say, okay, let's, this isn't a big enough uh, deal right now that we need to disturb the harmony. Yeah, I would say for us, um, <clears throat> I would say for us, um, her feelings, our feelings are more important than anything we're fighting for 99% of the time, okay? So our relationship and our feelings, our feelings are more important. The other thing is forgiveness. Uh, that's just huge. I can't even put a, I don't even know where to put an explanation point on that, but forgiveness is very important. And just to let you know, it's easier when you get older because I can't remember what I did yesterday. So I don't know. <laughs> I, did Linda, did Linda get, I don't remember. So. It's going to help when it gets a little gray. Uh, the other thing is, um, one nice little trick to, to that is, uh, you know, we got a little chart. You got a little chart on your refrigerator, whatever you want to do. It's a list of one to ten. Ten being over my dead body. One being I could care less. Okay. So when you get in a little argument or disagreement, where are you at this with this? Okay. Where are you at? And if she says, I'm a seven, and I'm thinking, she's I'm one or two. I'm going to let her win that one, okay, until <laughs> I can get my seven on. <clears throat> so uh, at least it gives a feeling to where you're at with this discussion. That's good. Um, kind of like I said um, early on in our marriage, when we would get in disagreements or things, I would, like Casey, kind of shut down. And, and um, he was always quick to, he wants to talk about it right then. He wants to fix it. He wants to hug. He wants to do all these things. And I'm aggravated and I'm not there and we've had many times where I'm like just just don't just don't just give me a minute and I think he saw that as like I was trying to punish him and there might have been a slight truth to that but <laughs> I really I really need time to think through what I'm going to say because I can tend to come back with just very I'm a quick thinker and I can I, I just we've always been careful to really be careful of our words. And I think we've both been that way because there are hard words that you can't take back. So 
So we've just lately, I'm like, I just, you know, I just need to think about it. And, and I have been praying about it. <laughs> and then we come back and we can kind of, you know, it might start with an apology text or something to kind of soften it. And then we come back and apologizing is huge. And our kids need to see that. And, and we have, we've done that in front of our kids. We've told our kids, we've apologized to our kids. I just think that, I mean, they need to learn that you have, you're wrong sometimes, you know, and, and it's usually both, we're both wrong in the situation, but um, I think it's important to apologize and then to accept their apology too. I think that's huge. I think I've learned through that as well. Like she said, we have a different way of processing our confrontations. Um, and so I've had to learn her way and she's had to learn my way. But I think the biggest thing I've learned is that whenever you have conflict in your marriage, there are no winners. I mean, no one is just right. I mean, to me that, that I think that early on we were trying to prove like, hey, you know, it should be this way or it should be that way. And in all reality, you know, we just love each other and we just, we're going to get on each other's nerves. We're going to upset each other, but we're here for each other. We love each other and let's get back on the same page. And so we've really had to learn f from each other. And we just, like, like she said, when she's upset, I know. Don't say anything, no hugs, no, you know, none of that stuff. Just give her her moment. Um, and she knows that when she's ready, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Let's, let's apologize. Let's, let's get over this so that we can get to more important things in our life. One more thing. Um, I remember um, early on in our marriage, he said something to me, and I've held to that through different times. And we were arguing about something probably small. And he said, I just want you to know, I never intentionally mean to hurt you. I might, but it's never intentional. And I really did like hold on to that. And I do. And there's times when I go through and I'm like, okay, I know he's not intentionally trying to hurt me. It just, you know, that's what happens. So I think that's important to communicate that too. I may hurt you, but it's not intentional, you know, so. That's good. That's great. So in my life, I, I feel like every personality test that I take, you know, there's a lot of them out there, and I'm always going to land in that peacemaker category. But I feel like personally I figured out that I'm a whole lot more of a peacekeeper. <laughs> I just, I, I really, I tend to just want to, you know, smooth things over, make things okay. But with that personality, I feel like a lot of times I end up not dealing with things. And I just kind of make it okay for a while. But then when I finally do deal with it, I'm frustrated enough that I don't fight very fair. <laughs> you know, no. you say those words like never, always, you know, that aren't true. But um, I've just, I feel like we've learned to fight fair. Um, and it's okay to fight about it. Because yeah. I think I, my natural inclination is to not fight. Like, it's okay. And I always find a reason, like, no, and I rationalize my feelings, and I shouldn't be so upset about this. And, but then that just kind of builds. And so we end up having an argument and I'm not fighting very fair because I'm so frustrated about it. So I'm learning in my life to just deal with things more as they come. Yeah, uh, awesome. Hey, are these guys great or what? <laughs> Brian, Brian, the uh, elder spokesman of our crew wanted to share some parting words with you that I think uh, are so good. So Brian. Yeah. 
I just want to let you know that uh, Lynn and I are in that empty nest stage, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, soft, and wonderful light, and a lot of joy, a lot of enjoyment in it. But let me let me say this: it's just like the Bible, okay? And that is, there's an if, and that is, if you don't follow God's word, if you don't listen to the Holy Spirit, and do some of the things we talked about up here today, um, it's not going to be good. It's going to be tough. So I'm just praying that you choose joy. Yeah, that's good. You know, um, and the, and we've talked about this, but just they have made their marriage a priority. When they were raising their kids, it was still the priority. And it's what their kids needed, but it's also as they have become empty nesters, that relationship is still strong and vibrant, and it is what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And um, if God's our primary relationship, our marriage is right under that, even before our kids our kids actually need us to, to do this well, mm-hmm. to parent them well. And so uh, thank you, guys. And once again, I just, this was great. Can we just tell them thank you? Let me pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, the opportunity to, to spend uh, 30 minutes just thinking about what these words that you've given to us look like. Thank you for these couples and all through our congregation, couples that that love you and love each other. Uh, They are a bedrock of our community here. And so, Lord, I only pray that we would continue to learn, that we would sharpen one another, that we would just see best practices around us, and uh, we would use these things that you've taught us and are modeled by others to help our marriage relationships continue to thrive. Our kids need it. Our grandkids need it. Our community here needs it. Our world needs it. And so, Lord, grow us in this relationship, I pray. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.